to Mbappé! What a great day it's been for him! So you want this confidence oozing through his veins. Yeah, tap it with the football tap. It's the number one podcast. Yeah. With a football at, tap in with the football tap. Yeah. Tap in with the football tap. Guru. Tap in with the football tap, like a spinal, or it could get messy like Lionel. Them other podcasts throw back like a vinyl. The guru, he the goat, so it really ain't no rivals. Podcasts about passion, barely dollars. My favorite, Ronaldo, Jamal Musala. Football tap, it should be on your radar. Come and kick it with us, like Neymar, Sadio Mane, or Erling Haaland. Either way, the football tap, prime time. Yeah, now take that to the bank with you. The guru, he don't talk, he just paint. Vividly, so come and see what he's saying. Highlights and more, you never get bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never get bored. Football tap, the number one source. Yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. It's the football tap. Yeah, yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. It's the football tap. Guru, football tap. Yeah. Come and tap in with the football tap. Yeah. With the football tap, come and chill with the groove, cuz football back, yeah. All right, welcome to the football tap. Yeah, we'll, we'll just do the two of us, and then I'll do this uh, separately with Danielle. Sorry about that. I, I just, we technical issue, and I, I want to get this episode out, so All anyway. Right. Um, welcome to Football Tap. Um, my name's Ryan alongside of Elliot tonight. Um, Elliot's in a good mood tonight. I'm in a good mood tonight. Um, the USA won 6 0 against St. Kate yesterday. Uh, Elliot's boy scored. Just a good day all around. Yeah, my boy for not that much longer, but that's that's a good thing. So, uh, yep. yeah, H- happy, happy days. Yeah, all right. So, this is our special award show. Um, I'll be asking Elliot to give his awards. I have, I, I, I will give out a few of the awards as well. Um, but yeah, so let's start as I pull up the script. I'm going to do things a little bit different from here. So to okay. begin with, we're going to go head to Germany and Italy. This is the awards for the Bundesliga in the Serie A season. For manager okay. of the season, do you have, um, who do you got from the Bundesliga? Okay, let's see. Let me just see my list. Um, uh, manager, right? All right. So, just so everybody knows, the, my my uh, my nominees were both Svensson at Mainz, Nico Kovac at Wolfsburg, Ursh er, uh, Fischer at Union Berlin, and Javi Alonso at Leverkusen. This, even though we're we're talking about this Union Berlin thing and how amazing it was, this was a lot more difficult than it may seem. Because of, the, because of the way Wolfsburg and Leverkusen started the season, in the relegation zone, they managed to climb out of it. Uh, Leverkusen made Europe. Wolfsburg almost made Europe. So it was the trajectory of what they did from start to finish of the season, or at least the climb of it. But I think, uh, uh, I think it has to be Fischer at Berlin, mainly because they had no business being in this, um, in this Champions League race. They had no business qualifying for the Champions League. They had no business going on the European journey they went on. 
And quite honestly, with a different coach, uh, Union Berlin probably would have finished like eighth or ninth. So I think the, the his individual impact on the team, um, without a lot of firepower, other than maybe perhaps Sheraldo uh, Becker, I think you have to go with him just because of his impact he made on a on a team that was not supposed to to excel and a team that lost their best two players in the last 18 months. All right, very good. And the same with Italy. I'll give the uh, the nominations for the manager of the season in Italy. You had, your nominations were Spalletti from Napoli, Malta mm-hmm. from Bologna, Sarri from Lazio, Lazio, and Paul Diano from Monza. Okay, Ooh. so so the obvious choice here is Spalletti, but as we've discussed previously, I don't give my my uh, uh, my manager to the winning coach of, of when they win the league. I've, I haven't done it in, I don't know, five or six years. That's how long it's been since I've not, I've legitimately given the manager of the season to the coach that wins the league because the, my criteria through the manager of the season is overachievement, doing, doing something that we're not supposed to do. Um, fortunately, this season is different because Spalletti was not supposed to win the league with, with Napoli. Napoli wasn't supposed to make the Champions League. You know, a lot of the stuff with, with Union Berlin, same kind of criteria. They have a much better squad. But, but none of this was supposed to happen. Now, Monza, had they finished in the top 10, I probably would have gone in that direction since they just came into the league and they made um, uh, they, they almost made the top 10. Uh, Mota, I think, finished in the top eight or nine, uh, which was incredible from where he took over. But I think no one, no one thought that, uh, that Napoli was going to win the league. And I think his individual impact on this Napoli side, not just this year, but the last two years, has erased some of the uh, conversations that have all, often been attached to Napoli, uh, such as uh, always choking when it, ma- when it matters the most. And that's what they, they've always done. Spalletti comes in here, which was not their first choice or their second choice. Last season, they wanted him gone. And he comes in this season and does the impossible. He also struck gold with a few um, pieces that he brought in. But nonetheless, I think the from a management perspective, he's been absolutely brilliant and, and is uh, the oldest coach to ever win the league and uh, deserves a lot of credit um, for uh, what he's done. And it took a lot out of him, so much so that he, he couldn't continue after the season and was ready to, to take a break. Yeah, about that. Where does Napoli go from here? Because, I mean, you just lost. I don't know. Is he oh, actually not on that? Do you think he's a club legend in Napoli? Yeah, but yeah, just just based on the fact that they won the won the title, he wasn't there for very long. But I think his uh, uh, his legacy is cemented just because he won the league, and they had won the league in thirty years, and they were in the title race two years in a row. And and um, again, they fell out at the end last year, but they were people forget they were they were in that race until the very 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 end. It was only the last three weeks where they fell apart and it became the two Milan teams, but they were right there with the other two the whole way. But no one seems to remember that. And then this year, obviously winning the league, I think he has to be club legend. Is he the greatest <laughs> manager at Napoli ever? Probably not, but he's still a legend at the club just because he won the league for them. Yep. All right. Very good. So this, I, I'm going to do young player of the season. Um, We'll start with Italy first because I know Germany, um, it's going to be controversial. Well, I don't know if it will or not, and you might piss a lot of British people off, which, as we know, I really do enjoy that. I ain't even going to 
ain't even gonna lie as an American. It just cracks me up how mad they get whenever you uh, go after their precious um, Bellingham or Foden. But that being said, that's off the top topic. So, yep. young player of the season, you got Bovia. I mean, this should be obvious for Italy: Bovia, Roma, Cavara, Napoli, Destiny at Udinese, or Ball Denzani at Empoli. Well, I think this is easy. Uh, unfortunately, the Serie awards, for most part, are kind of boring because the same guy is taking almost a, <laughs> home ev- almost every single component of the, of the the main awards that you're giving out. It's it's Kavara um, Shalia, and the reason is he was the best player in the league. Um, I, I don't want to give myself away. He was also came in for ten million, and now his evaluation is like ninety. So you look at all – there's a reason he's not being um, brought up in, com- uh, in, co- in conversations about transfers because they know that they're not going to sell him no matter what. And he was, he was also given the, uh, uh, the, the, the player of the season by the league as well. Um, again, he's in the age group. If he's in the age group, you cannot just give it to someone else just because the other guy – the guy is going to take many awards. Syria, the league itself, gave it to someone else. I think primarily because they didn't want to give the same guy everything. But the fact of the matter is you can't be the best player in the league and in the age group of young player of the year and can't be, and can't win both. He's absolutely the choice because he's in the, he's, he was the best player in the league for most of the the year. He was, he's one of the best players in the world this season. And he's in the, he's in the age group of that um, conversation. The rest of the, the nominations were just, uh, I wanted to put them their names out there because they had great seasons, but I mean, there's there's really only one answer here. Yep, Guevara. All right, so I'm cha- I am drooling at this because I don't know the answer to this one. Your Bundesliga young player of the season. You had Jude Bellingham from Borussia Dortmund, Kadio yeah. Kone from Gladbach, Tyel Tell from Byron, or Patrick Werner from Wolfsburg. Who is oh. the young player of the season? Okay, I want a quick point of order because there's a name there missing and you might be wondering why it's missing. So, again, with my Young Player of the Year, I do not award uh, that award to the same person more than once. That's why Verts and Musiala did not qualify because over the last two years, they, they were given the, my Young Player of the Year. All right, with that being said, now <laughs> this, this is, this is going to – I've hit a lot of controversy on the Bellingham stuff. But here's the thing. I do not think he was uh, uh, deserved to be named player of the season. I think that was actually quite ridiculous. I also do not think he's in the conversation with Verts and Musiala. But if you're asking me who was the best young player of the season, or, uh, it was Jude Bellingham. As much as he had some moments that were, you know, unideal against Bolcom and Schalke. And I always bring up the fact that he did not really perform at a high level for the first couple months of the season once he got rolling he was he was just ex- extraordinary from from every almost every performance since that point he was absolutely out with out of this world for a midfielder of what he does for him to score the goals he did 14 and 7 in all competitions where a guy that is mostly known for being a holding midfielder was wildly impressive and even though I get, I get criticism for what I say about Drew Bellingham. If you're asking me, was he the young player of the season? I think he was. All right, very good. So we've got our manager, young player of the season out of the way. Um, 
now let's go to the signings. Um, as you okay. all know, this cannot be stressed enough. Signings, I think, is where the uh, the is what wins or loses a team a league. Um, you can make a smart sign like Tavara, or you can panic like Arsenal and give and throw away 105 million for Declan Rice. But we'll get into that later. That that sign's never been proven. But uh, once again, straightforward. Um, sign the season in Italy. Cavara for Napoli. Kim for Napoli. Ro, uh, Dybala for Roma. Good signing. Or Di Maria for Juventus. I mean, it's Cavara. I mean, I, I'd like to say Kim, but Kim was more expensive. Like, if Kim was seven and Cavara was ten, I'd pick Kim. But because Cavara was, was less expensive – and he's going to, like, like I said, he's going to win most of these awards. I think you're, you're to a point where he was the cheapest. He was the cheap of the two people, really, in this conversation. He was the cheapest option of the two that would, that would be in content, real contention for this award. Um, I know Dybala came for a free. Um, and I know Di Maria came for a free. And those two players were incredibly impactful for their teams. But it's really between the two Napoli boys. And, again, I don't want to get too mathematical here. But 10 is less than 18. And yeah. uh, Kavar cost 10, well, Kim cost 18. Really yeah. Did you remember the last time that our teams paid 10 million pounds or 10 million euros for somebody that's going to finish in the top 20 Ballon d'Or voting? I, I'm, if, you know, you're going back to like Man United uh, times when they were in their peak, when they got yeah. like, um, you know, Evra and those guys for, for um, the, 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 the Ser- Serbian um, uh, center back. Um, I forgot his name. He cost like four million. That's, I mean, that, you, to go back at someone that that low price, you're going all the way back to, you know, oh, the early 80s. Yeah, and then a little 2000s, uh, but pretty much two, two, 2000s uh, and, and further, it, you just don't see it. Now you see it, uh, you, like you can get a player that's like a 3.2 million buy, but the guy is, a, is in an unknown uh, place. Um, you know, kind of, you know, sort of, and has a, a cheap, uh, because he's a young player, you could potentially get a, a deal like that where you can get it like, I don't know, 2.5 million for someone. But nowadays, in this day and age, for it to be that cheap, um, I, I think it's extraordinary. And I honestly think that uh, Ruben Kazan should have asked for more because they could have asked for up to 20. Now, looking back at it, He's 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 worth much more now, but even at that time, there was a lot of there's a lot of attention surrounding him um, when he was in Russia, and um, so he, they could have even got more out of that. But the fact that they were able to settle for ten, I think, is amazing. And actually, just a, a correction: Ruben Kazan was not the team that received the money because because of the uh, the war that broke out, uh, the the players on the Russian club were able to relocate to a. Uh, different country in that region, et cetera. So he went back to, I think, uh, he went back to Georgia and played for a Georgian team. Uh, so technically, the Georgian team pocketed the ten million that that he earned with his work that he did at Kazan. All right, here's my question for you, my friend. And I, I know it's a war show, yeah. but I think this needs to be asked. If Declan Rice got 105 million, how much do you think Kamara mm-hmm. is going to get? What? How much do you think? If you're Napoli, don't you ask for one for like 120, 130 now? I'm okay. So at current, like right now, right here, right now, if, if they were to offer, I would, I would, I would ask probably for one. Uh, what would I ask for? Probably one forty. Um, I probably ask for, but 
I would ask, yeah, I'd ask for 140. I think that um, if he does this again next season, we're talking Mbappe. Uh, it's not quite Mbappe, but Mbappe range money. If, if, if let's say next season he comes up, Napoli finished second or third, and he's, he has 30-plus goal contributions again, and he's the best player in the league again, then you're talking like 180-plus. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, Olsenman got the, the – he's whatever. whatever. They, they, they value him at 150. He was not valued at 150 a year ago. So if he's able to, to basically upgrade himself in the market that much uh, from that point – from a one season jump, um, then I think Kavar can do the same because he had 18 last season, but it was no one was even even considering him for like team of the season and stuff like that. I think all of it came down to the jump he made this year. So if he can make the same jump or he just keeps his level, you know, we're talking huge money. Now, Napoli's um, owner may not hold out for that money, but he will have certainly earned it. And I think Kavar has a very real chance at being in the top five in the Ballon d'Or uh, in, in the winter. So, um, and if he is, then that jacks up the price even more. Yeah. Well, we all know uh, Keen Lionel's going to win it again because he's the GOAT. But that's a conversation for another yeah. time, my friends. All right. So now, Bundesliga signing of the season. You got Colo, Manu at Frankfurt, Haller at Dortmund, uh, Doan at Freiburg, or Wimmer at Wolfsburg. I, I think this was pretty clut and dry, but I want to hear your opinion. Okay. So if you're talking – so you can look at this in two ways. If you're talking about value for money, uh, um, Kolo Muane is the obvious choice. However, it, it's complicated, though, because Wolfsburg only played, paid like seven. And, again, I, Vern, I mean, sorry. <laughs> um, Wimmer at, at Wolfsburg may not have stats-wise – been exceptional, but he played exceptional and was so important to the success they had that last season and the way they they climbed over the table so much. But I think again, you got to look at what we see here, and what we see here is is a guy who who was in France doing little bits and pieces, ten goal season here, twelve goal season here, a four goal season here, comes to Frankfurt on a free deal, um, scores in that horror show in the, in the first game of the season against Bayern Munich where they lost by six and then just goes nuts. I think he had the most goal contributions in the league. I think he had like 28 goals in all competitions, scored big in the, in the German cup, scored big in the champions league and, and was uh, I think second or third, I think third uh, top score and they didn't pay anything. And you think about what he's again, uh, like, like Osman Kula Moana is, is an 80 million player based on what Frankfurt are, are going to get. So when they sell him, which is inevitable, maybe it's this summer, maybe it's next summer, they're going to make a huge profit off of what they invested in. And again, they got him for free and they're going to make a huge portion. But I do think, I do think Patrick Grimmer does have a, a, uh, a shout, but I, but again, I think because no, it didn't cost anything and he goes up and gets uh, 20 and 10, 20 plus and 10 plus, I think is, is exceptional. Again, Frankfurt finished, I think sixth or seventh. I think this finished seventh, which isn't great, but it's a big improvement on last season, and he's a big part of that. Yeah, all right. Uh, very, very good. Um, all right. Sorry. Uh, uh, here are my notes. So we're going to go gold season, and we'll start with Germany because we started with Italy on the last one. So you got Jamal Musiala versus Wolfsburg, which is 
I know it's uh, you giving out the awards, but personally, that's my pick. Uh, Joshua mm-hmm. Kimmage versus Cologne, Timo Werner versus Osberg, Jude versus Wolfsburg, or Brandt versus Gladbach. Who's your winner? Okay, so because unless I, I just want to remind people, I'm just going to explain the goals quickly, and then I'll give my choice. Um, basically, Jamal versus Wolfsburg, he took the ball from the midway line, ran through the entire defensive score. Um, Joshua Kamich against Cologne was that really long strike against Cologne from outside the box. It was a beautiful goal. Um, then you're talking about uh, Werner, a, a, a dribble. He stopped it on his foot. It come, he he prop, props it up a little, hits it into the corner um, from outside the box. Then you have uh, Bellingham, which was a, a, be- a b- brilliant run. Um, goalkeeper was a little out of position, launched it, and it was a brilliant goal. And then uh, the last one was Brandon Gladbach. It was ball comes into his foot. He, he, he controls it with one foot, puts it on the other, and hits it in the top corner. Okay, so with all that being said, um, I think Jamal Musiala against Wolfsburg is the answer here. Um, if you think about the, the range of difficulty that it took to do what he did. Now, a long range of goals are, are awesome. They're fun to watch. They're very difficult. But – Jamal had three or four shirts around him at all times, and he went basically – it reminded me of Lionel Messi against Athletic Bilbao in the Copa del Rey final, the one where he has like four or five guys on him all, time, uh, all the time. And the run, he took it up from basically midfield and took him all the way into the box and went through so many players with exceptional dribbling and scored. So I think that's, that, that would be my choice. But I, I do think Kimmich is his close second. All right. So now for Italy, you got Kondrava versus Roma, Kavala versus Empoli, Kavar versus Spezia, Ber- Ardi versus Lise, Colombo versus Napoli, Jekko versus Bologna, or Sabri versus Spezia. All right. Um, so again, I'll just briefly explain. Kavara versus Roma was a, a ball pin for midfield. Um, Kondreva hits it out of the air and inside of the Roma box and scores really great goal. Um, the ball against Empoli, a curler into the top corner from outside the box. Kavar just basically took on the entire team, uh, waited for the, the one of the defenders to, to come up again and dropped him a second time and then put it in the back of the net. Um, and then, uh, Berardi, long range effort against Lecce. Colombo was a really long range effort against Napoli. Jekko control and, and touch into the top corner, which was Marco Van Basten-esque. And then Cerebri just decided to launch it from midfield and scored. Um, now, in terms of individual skill, the Kavara goal was the best. Um, but the, the most difficult goal um, of the seat, like the, most, the, the one with the most difficulty was, again, I'm kind of dunking on my own team here, but it's got to be Kondreva against Roma. And it's not just the, the finish was was, – was, but the, the delivery, the, the being able to catch that ball in that moment uh, was just, I thought was brilliant. And then it just reminds you also that the guy is 36, 37 years old to score a goal that 99.99% of the league would not have scored on if they had 100 attempts. So I think that's the most difficult goal um, of the season. I also think it's the best goal of the season. I also think no one in any of the leagues – scored a better goal than, than that one, in my, in my personal opinion. So I'm going to go Kondreva against Roma. All right. Very good. All right. So 
before we get into MVP and player of the season, because MVP or player of the season are different, we got mm-hmm. to give out. The first one is your three special awards for Germany. So tell us what the special awards are. All right. Uh, let me just. So uh, my first award. So I, I'm just going to tell you what the, the what they are and what the and the um, and what they mean, and then you tell me which one you would like to hear first. So I have uh, the Alexander Meyer Award given to the best player out of the top six in Germany. Alexander Meyer was a uh, player for Frankfurt, uh, was top scorer in like 13, 14, stayed there his whole career. But most of the time, his teams were not necessarily in Europe, not being relegated, but, but basically in middle of the pack. The Paolo Maldini Award, uh, which is best leadership. Um, the Daniele De Rossi Award, which is given to the player that has the most – uh, impact on the team without uh, basically without uh, without statistics. So had a great season without having being a, having big impact on stats and stuff like that. Um, again, they're they're all the same, but kind of the different ones for Germany too. The Philip Lom Award was the best leader as well, and then the the, the Bastian Schweinsteiger Award is basically the same as the De Rossi Award, and then I have the Di Natale Award given to the the player best player out of the top six. Um, so they're all the same words that they just have different names next year. I'm going to, I'm going to think of a few more. I just kind of thought of this on the fly today. So I thought it'd be fun to, to try it out. All right. Let's start off with the Schweinsteiger Maldini award. Okay. I mean, Schweinsteiger uh, and De Rossi award. Okay. Uh, the, the De Rossi award, uh, in, in, in Italy goes to Nicholas Dominguez. Um, Nicholas Dominguez plays for Bologna. You may not see his name a lot. You may, may not hear his name a lot. Um, he is the most one of the most tireless workers in um, in the in the Syria. Um, he's his stats look like nothing. Yeah, I think he's got one goal and one assist in 38 games. However, he is primarily the biggest reason why Bologna caught fire, why they continue to perform, why they bit, beat big teams, why they were able to finish in the top ten um, after having a really bad start of the season as a team. He's the one that got him out. But again you're not going to see him score a lot of goals or assist many goals. Um, but it's what he does overall, the grittiness of his play that has, um, uh, that is, I think that's why he's, he's the basically his performances and why he's been good is, is an example of De Rossi and the, the type of seasons he had. Um, and then you wanted to, see, uh, okay. So then the, the Schweinsteiger award goes to Cadio Ocone again, similarly, um, he's in, he, he's not really being compared to, to guys. He should be, but guys like Bellingham had a great season. Everyone talks about him. The stats look amazing, things like that. Um, but, uh, Kone, one goal this season and without, without a doubt had a better season, uh, than Jude Bellingham and, uh, most of the midfielders in the league, even in his sort of position, he barely scores. He doesn't have a lot of highlight plays. But his overall contributions are are immense. All right, very good. And um, all right, let's get to see now. So, who wins your leadership award for Italy and Germany? Italy, I think this is a pretty easy one. I mean, it's it's Giovanni Di Lorenzo. He is, you know, he's a great right back. He has some really incredible. Um, intuitions and is able to perform at a high level, but it's his ability to lead with the pieces around him 
makes him uh, makes him really, really exceptional. And he's a guy who takes accountability. You'll never hear him try to blame somebody else. And he's been the captain of Napoli for the last couple of years. And ever since he's been there, not only has he been a great player, but he's been a great leader and has always helped them through difficult moments. And this season, for all the work he's done in the leadership department, I truly feel like, uh, you know, I'm, again, I didn't want Napoli to win the league, but I think he gets what he deserves with a, with a league title. And Cavaro is going to be gone in within a two, three-year period. Victor may be gone next season, maybe gone this season. He's always – I'm not saying he's going to stay there forever, but he will find a way to lead whatever comes through the door and whatever exits the door and keep Napoli competitive because of his uh, leadership uh, abilities. Um, for Germany, um, uh, I'm going with um, – uh, sorry, uh, Lucas Hardeski, who is the goalkeeper at Bayer Leverkusen. Bayer Leverkusen had a very poor start to the season. We, we know now that they, they went on this big run and made Europe, uh, made a semifinal of the Europa League and, and so on. They lost their first four games. They were not getting points on a regular basis. And the reason he's such a great leader is in, after the fourth game of the season, the, the ultras at, uh, at Leverkusen um, were upset. And um, the, the, uh, the, the Leverkusen goalkeeper went over there and talked to them and, and, and discussed with them. And, and, and it's not just that sort of thing. His, the vocalness of him taking accountability and, and basically having conversation with people who are upset. But he's also made some big – again, he's, he's a great goalkeeper, but he made a few poor mistakes this season, and he's always helped his team continue to thrive and, and get back out there and, and, uh, and perform. And I think, uh, again, there's very few leaders in goalkeeping positions, in my opinion, but I think he's one of the few, and he – he always he's been around a long time. He's played a lot of Bundesliga games. He knows what uh, it takes. He knows the standard, and the, the people around him know the standard as well. And they're able to battle through adversity based, just based on his leadership alone. All right, and finally, the best player outside the top six in both leagues. Uh, in Italy, I am going with uh, Lorenti, who is a young French uh, winger from Sassuolo. Um, Again, when you think about Sassuolo, you think about Berardi, you think about, uh, in the past, Gamaka, Raspadori, and Berardi is always one of those guys in that conversation because of how good he is and his stats were fantastic again this season. Um, but I think for him, for Lorenzi to come in into his first uh, season in Italian football, to be as much of a threat on the wings as he has been, um, and his numbers aren't the most amazing, but eight goals, nine assists, or something like that, He's, he's a constant threat, and I think overall, if you look at most of the players outside of those top six, seven teams, uh, he's been really, really special. And um, again, Sassuolo always seems to find these diamonds in the rough and is able to get these guys out of nowhere and turn them into superstars. And I think um, he's made, he'll probably be there for one more year, but I think in, in a year's time, a bigger teams will be going after him, and there's even a possibility that they – he get uh, grabbed by the end of the season. That's how good he is. Um, then uh, Germany, um, I'm going with um, Jason uh, Park. Um, obviously, um, uh, we know his qualities. We saw him be 
very involved in the heartbreak and uh, you know deterioration of of Dortmund. Um, he's been in the Bundesliga a long time, and he's always one of those players. Again, because there's a lot of loaded players at his position in the Bundesliga, he he can find it very difficult to get into the um, um, to get into uh, the team of the season, for example. But every single season, he's, he, he, his statistics are per- fairly strong, and his performances against the best, best, biggest teams in the, in the most important moments are huge. And again, I would say that single-handedly, he didn't score against Dortmund, but single-handedly, he, he, um, he caused Dortmund to choke it away. Um, so I think that alone, if, if you really want to see a good example of how dominant he can be, just look at him against Gladbach, where he was – he was making them run in, in circles and absolutely dominated them throughout the game. So he's always been one of the best players in the league. Um, but I think uh, outside the top six, he's, he's been brilliant. And I don't think he gets enough respect because, again, people are so stat-driven that they can't see his contribution beyond that. But he's, he's incredible. All right. So your moment of the season in Germany is what? Um, I mean, it's this one's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, the Jamal Musiala 89th minute uh, curler against Cologne, with the with everything that happened with Dortmund, them choking it away, and then having a bit of hope when Cologne scored, and then to see him have that moment, and and again, to to be to have the presence of mind to to be able to keep yourself calm and collected in that moment, and score that goal is amazing. Now Bayern may have won the league. But he won it for them. And again, as I, as I said earlier, only three players have ever had a moment like that. So, uh, you know, as, as, as great as some other moments may have been this season, that single moment of when that ball leaves his foot is, will not only be remembered for the next couple of years, that will be remembered forever. When you think about the season that we just had, his, that moment will be associated to how we remember it. And Italy. Um, I would say uh, Napoli winning the league. Um, they had waited so many years since Diego Maradona. They waited, you know, thirty years uh, for for a moment like that, and it's it's the combination of of Osimhen and and Cavara and Di Lorenzo and Spalletti and everything that just came together. Um, primarily, though, I would say the two games against Juventus that they won. Uh, the one where they beat them up 5-1, and then the other one where they, they beat them at the death in the reverse fixture. And after they had beaten them the first time, again, it was still half the season to go. I knew the league was already over. It was that moment where I knew it was gonna it would end that way. Now, I didn't know how many points they were going to win by, but I knew they would win the league after that moment. So if you were to put it down to one particular moment of their whole title, I would say it's the, it, was the, it was the first performance – a first game against Juventus where they absolutely humiliated them. And, and uh, I think they hadn't beaten them that, like that in a long time. And, and again, that's another moment that will be associated with this last season. Yep. All right. So we have two more awards left. So to start with who is the player of the season in Italy? I, and I hate starting with it. I, this is no disrespect to Guevara, but I mean, it's so obvious. Is Guevara. Victor Dabala or Kim? I mean, it's Kavara. Um, again, no disrespect to Victor, no disrespect to anybody else. Again, I, what I'm going to say is going to sound 
I've never seen a more one-sided a player of the season conversation ever. I've been watching Serie A for 20 years. I never thought to myself, oh, it's, it's September and the, the player of the season is already over. Like, it's, it's just he started hot and then, then no, no other – and he couldn't stop. I, the, yeah, he had some games where he wasn't the best in a few moments, but, but from basically the start of the season to the end, finish, after his first goal outside the box, and then next week he does something similar, and um, he's just been on this train the whole time. And, and I know Victor was a compelling thing because of the stats and, and uh, the, the becoming the highest African goal scorer in a single season. There's so many positive things about Victor, and there's so many – there's so many moments from Victor and you can appreciate what Victor has done. And in any other year, he would have won the player of the season. But I think this season you have to understand that Kavara's impact and facilitation of Victor is partly why he was so dominant and so good all season. But I just think over the whole season um, now, there were times where it became a little closer where Victor was kind of kind of hovering around and, and being able to to sort of provide some some competition, but I think overall throughout the whole season, you know, I, I just think that it's it's hard to nominate someone else. If someone says Victor, I think that it's a good choice. But I think personally, for what he did this season, Victor obviously got to the the elite status, but it took him it took him for the last three years to get to this level. And being healthy, which is again not his fault. Kavar just came in like that, and again, I, I'll reiterate what I've said in the past. He's the best player I've seen in Napoli, and I'm not saying he's the greatest player that ever played for the club, but I've never seen a single individual at Napoli do what he didn't has done this season. And I'm sorry this is boring because he's just winning everything, but I think it's undeniable that he's he was the best player in the league. And again, with Victor potentially leaving next season. I think it, you know, we may be sitting here again talking about it. Um, hopefully, hopefully there's more sort of uh, competition on that next season, and hopefully Victor stays, and maybe uh, maybe Victor can, can win it next year. But I think this year was was pretty much the Georgian kid over and over again. Yep. All right, so here's the question: Now that they won the league, can they finally get a good stadium, respectful for Diego Maradona? I mean, they have to. I mean, I'm not calling that dump the Diego Maradona Stadium. I'm sorry. I believe, we talked about this a bazillion times. Just go look up their locker rooms. Look, look what they look like. Now, if that's not compelling enough, just when you put the TV on and they're playing the game, watch the game, but look at their stadium. It is in no condition to host champions. You know, regardless of how good Inter Milan are or AC Milan are or Juve are or Roma are, nobody goes to the Olympic of saying, oh, this is, this is going to be a fun day. There is a fortress associated with Roma at the Olympico, with Juve at the Allianz, with uh, Inter and AC at the San Siro. Inter and AC Milan could be in 10th and 12th, and there, was st- there will still be a, a somewhat of tension opposing teams going into that stadium. Now, people, you can say that uh, people can fear the, uh, na- the, na- the team of Napoli, um, but I-, I really think that it's going to be difficult for an opposing team to say, we're afraid of this, the, the, 
I'm not even called the Maradona, but the San Paulo. It's not putting fear in anybody because it's in such bad condition that it doesn't have the capabilities of creating a fortress. To be a fortress, you need an elite team that can perform at a high level. And you also need a stadium and a fan base that is capable of making that uncomfortable. Now they have the fan base, but because the stadium isn't there, the fan base cannot have the level of influence they perhaps could. And maybe if they had a different stadium, maybe their Champions League run would have not um, uh, folded the way it did. So I think that's number one. They need, a, they need a new stadium, and they need to get over their Champions League issues. Um, when Sampdoria has a better uh, Champions League uh, uh, resume than you, you got a problem. Um, and again, Sampdoria are in financial ruins now, but still, they still have a better Champions League um, resume than Napoli. And that, that shouldn't be. Um, also, Pillarol Pil just got hired for Sampdoria in Serie B, so hopefully he brings him back. But um, yeah, I think the stadium's still a major issue. And until the stadium gets fixed, I think they're going to have more issues in the Champions League. And they just got to figure out a way to do it until the stadium arrives. But there should be conversations and, and being plans being made about a new stadium. And I, I don't think there is. And that's, that's unfortunate. Very sad. All right. What are the season in Germany? You got Brandt, Musiala, Colo, Nicholas Fulkrug, and Joshua Kimmich. Who are you going with? Uh, again, this was extremely close for pretty much, I would say, a third of the season. Then things changed. Thomas Tuchel came in at Bayern and ruined Musiala's great form. Uh, Julian Brandt got injured in the Champions League, could not be performed for a couple weeks. It took him a while to get back into the flow of things. Uh, over the last month or so, I mean, in the last month of the season, it did seem, okay, Brandt's got this. He's There was a point where Brandt was starting to do his thing, and he would look back to the Brandt that we saw before injury, before injury, and you saw him kind of progressing in that direction, and then it's like, okay. So Brandt, Brandt's got this. Something remarkable would have to happen for it not to um, affect um, that, for it to be taken from him. Then Musiala scores that great goal, and I had to think on it for a really long time. And as much as that goal is a historic moment, this season will be remembered for that goal that he scored, and the season will be remembered also for Dortmund throwing it away. Um, but I would say that Brandt performed in the game against Mainz. He was one of the only players doing anything. And in a, in a, in a parallel universe – where he's given the penalty instead of Holler, and he scores that. I think even if they had fallen away in a different in a different way, and they somehow still threw it away, um, I think Brandt has shown his value so many times in this season. And uh, Bayern, before Tuchel, when Musial wasn't right, they were able to get performances and results um, in on a much higher level than with Brandt. And the reason Dortmund were in the title race to begin with, and this is how I just basically this is how I determined my answer. The reason the reason I'm picking Brandt is because Dortmund made a decision midway through the season when they were closing in on potentially being in a title race that they're going to play through Julian Brandt, and he by him not by himself, but he's one of the reasons there was a title race to begin with. If Julian Brandt was not on this team, I really do think that. Um, that uh, I think they, they would have fallen off way before they did. And 
as great as that moment was for Jamal Musiala, I think it's Brant. Next season, I think that Jamal Musiala will win. win. Um, but this year, I think I couldn't look past Brant as difficult as it was at the end. All right, and finally, who is the MVP? Not necessarily player of the season. Who is the MVP for Germany and Italy, in your opinion? So in Italy, there's two there's two acceptable answers for this. It's either Lautaro Martinez or Paolo Dybala. Again, not Roma biased aside, it's Paolo Dybala because um, you look at Martinez and what he's done and how important he was. I and mean, there's no doubt he was extremely important to to Inter Milan, so much so. However, he's surrounded by a better team. He's surrounded by a loaded deck. And even though that's not his fault, that they didn't show up, I think the degree of difficulty for him doing what he does is lower than, than Dybala. Now, Dybala, there's obviously very, there are some good qualities in this Roma side, but there, there were no other playmakers. And despite everything, that uh, the injuries and stuff, when he's been available, he single-handedly won points that Roma should not have gotten. And Roma are in the Europa League off of his performance in that last game of the season. I think it's very close, but I think the level of difficulty was more for Dybala. So I'd say Dybala was the most valuable player in Italy. Um, but I, I, I really only think it's between him and Matar Martino. That's it. In Germany... This is difficult because there's so many different players that have at times shown uh, their incredible uh, value. Um, but I would probably say, um, oh, geez, I don't know. This is this is really tough. Um, I would say. Um, I, I would say Nico Schlatterbeck at Dortmund, the center back. Um, now, Brandt was incredibly valuable to that team. And, and again, there might not be a title race without him. Uh, but last season, the reason uh, Gregor Kobel, the Dortmund goalkeeper, had so much praise was because it felt like every single week the Titanic was sinking. He, had, he was the one responsible keeping it afloat because his defense abandoned him over and over and over again. And that's what made him so impressive. This season, he's still one of the best goalkeepers in the league, but he had less to do because Nico Schlatterbeck was always there to make the tackle, to, to, to do whatever, to, to make life easy. Now, he had a better center back partner than he did in, uh, that they had in the past um, with uh, Nicholas Sewell. But a lot of the times he was next to Max Hummels, uh, Matt Hummels. And as we discussed um, a few weeks ago, month ago um he's he's beyond his years in terms of being a Bundesliga starting center back so we had to deal with being next to him a lot next to him a lot and yes Max Hummels had occasionally some good good performances but overall he was often being backed up by Schlotterbeck and I think that because of that and because of their again no defensive issues this season for the most part um he was able to keep the defense afloat, put pressure off the goalkeeper, and doing so, with letting Brent and uh, Brant being able to run the show in the in the uh, in the playmaking department. But if it wasn't for his defense, I don't think uh, Brant would have been able to make an impact the way he did because uh, it wouldn't have mattered because Dortmund would have ended up 
dropping more points if it wasn't for the defense. And I think it's it's on the back of Nico Slaughterback. All right, very good. Um, so <laughs> just because we're here right now, and very good in rewards this season, my friend. Um, I know you worked hard. How many articles did you get to this season? This season, yeah. Um, let's see. So I had just hit 300, but then I had to write something because I was, I was writing an article about something that had to do with, with uh, the last season. Um, so, uh, hold on. I, I have to do my, I have to get my calculator out to see exactly how much. Um, hold on a second. Um, just give me one second. I want to. I want to get. I want to be able to give you the exact number. You're good. Three hundred fourteen, which is yep. the second, the second highest I've ever done. The most I've ever done was uh, a twenty-one. Um, but that I think that was a season where we had a lot, a lot of European matches more so than than even this season. Uh, my first, uh, just just for some context. Uh, the, the, my first article was a, an article of this season um, was an article uh, I wrote about Darwin Nunez and the basically the the market behind Liverpool paying as much as they did. And my last one was just basically I'd be basically talking about the Champions League, talking about uh, the Conference League, and talking about uh, the Europa League one more time. <laughs> All right. Very good. Uh, so you're my MVP this year because I'm just the, the measly – I'm just the host of the show. Without the great sports gurus football now, it just would not be <laughs> as fun as it is. I appreciate yeah. you for that. Hey, can I you get my donkey in the ear? Go ahead. Really quick. My donkey in the ear is Liverpool fans. Period. End of discussion. You know what? I am so tired of the disrespect that they sold social media and they act all tough behind the camera, blah, blah, blah. But anytime anybody says something about – bad about them they are the most uh, I, they are the most classless not talking about some of our friends they're the most classless nasty <laughs> and obscene bunch of fans in the world and i wish I them would, nothing but loneliness and relegation and that is what i got <laughs> i actually think again i asked some liverpool fans that aren't what you're saying but most of them are um but i would say the man city fans that have cheer have only started cheering for the um, club recently. I think they're, they're, that's still less bad than, than the Liverpool fans. And, and sort of, to me, it's, it's not so much the, what you're saying. It's, it's, sort of, it's sort of the hypocrisy around uh, some of the things they said when they're winning and the losing and they don't have the same type of energy. And when they win and, uh, and everybody's complaining, about um, you know officials and stuff, they you know they basically don't they just dismiss it, dismiss it. You know that you know one call doesn't determine a game, all this other stuff or or a match or whatever. But the second they're not having a good season, then now all these these situations that they never bring up are always mentioned and stuff like that. I you know again, Liverpool fans are nice, but they're delusional to the um up team degree and. Um, yeah, the Bellingham stuff too. I I was I was I was rather pleased that he did not go to Liverpool. 
um, just because I was so wrong about the Erling Holland destination last season. Um, but, and I think Bellingham made the right choice. And um, he even kind of, th- I don't know if you've seen it, but he kind of threw Liverpool under the bus in, in doing so. Basically yeah. saying that, that he, uh, he, he, did, he basically decided in his head that he wants to play for Real Madrid after the Champions League final, who was against Liverpool in a game where Real Madrid didn't have barely any shots. And Courtois was just you know, dodging everything. And this whole revenge thing. You know how they played Liverpool – or sorry, Liverpool played Real Madrid for a third time? You can't yeah. say revenge after – so re- how revenge works is you be- – a team beats my team, then we play again, and, and you beat us. Or you beat us or we beat you. If we beat you a second time, revenge is over. So Liverpool lost to the Champions League final in, I think, 2019 – or 20, I forgot, 2018 against uh, Real Madrid. They then played yep. them again two years later in the Champions League quarterfinals. They lost. Then they played them again in the Champions League final and lost. And then they played them again <laughs> this year in the Champions League and lost. Yep. So, I mean, it's just – I mean, and even that moment, the, they were up by two and they lose, by, they lose five, two. It, it, it's, it's just amazing. But anyway. It's so satisfying. And I love the fact that Real Madrid owns them. Um. That being said, I, I do have some statements to make now that we have done our end of season awards. Yeah. So, first of all, I have uh, turned to my Arsenal fan card. Everybody knows this. I still care for them a little bit, but um, I, I must um, – the most magical moment this year was going to my first game, seeing something – and, you know, not a lot of good things happen for St. Louis, seeing my own club in my own hometown. Um, I know it's not the best league, and trust me, I still prefer watching Serie A and all the other leagues, but just something about having a top team in your pro league season for me. Secondly, um, I think that Jose Mourinho getting suspended is the most ludicrous thing on the face of the earth. Um, What's it again? The fact that people want Jose Mourinho like get get a 10-game brand for um, confronting Anthony Taylor and just saying your disgrace is is ridiculous. Jose did nothing wrong there. I understand why they want him to. He, sh- he should be suspended and fined for what he did. What he did is not acceptable. That's not- but the issue I had is people are acting as if he took out a weapon and attacked Anthony Taylor. Now, if he did something like that, if he got in his face and pushed him in the parking lot, that's something different. But you cannot sit up here and act as if he did anything, <laughs> like rem- maybe inappropriate, sure. But all he did was say, basically, you're a fucking disgrace and got on the bus. He didn't threaten him in any way. And, and, and th- there's this new report about um, how he got, he, he got this other, he got this other um, suspension because he, he called uh, the, the, the referee that was uh, refereed the Monza Roma game as the worst ref I've ever seen in my life. That's not against the rules. He's allowed to have that opinion. Yeah. You know, it's not. That's like why I don't a- think he should be suspended. And, and I'll tell you I- why. For yelling at a guy, you're a disgrace. Who cares? Anthony Taylor should be a lot the bigger person and just not even you know what I mean No, I it's, agree. Ridiculous. it's ridiculous and I, I just think that again he's going to be suspended for four Europa League or four European games um, and then he's suspended for 10, 10, 10 days in uh, Serie A so he won't be able to be on the bench for the opener um, and then if you just look at these two different scenarios um, and if, if you want to even look deeper, the, the, 
the when he got suspended for the uh, refereeing at the free kick before he said it was refereeing the um, Cremonosa game. This was this was a game Roma lost and shouldn't have, and it was some really bad decisions made by the referee. He basically um, was responding to a referee that was deliberately trying to rile him up because the, the Roma's next game was against Juventus. The 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 um um. The birthplace, not the birthplace, but the hometown of that referee that was in question in that game was from Turin. There's a reason why he was trying to get Mourinho, um, whatever. And he said some things, and Mourinho basically replied, and you know, we suspended, and then he got unsuspended, and we beat Juventus, and then he got suspended again, and then you know, this thing with with Anthony Taylor basically saying it's a disgrace for com- completely ignoring four penalty, three penalties, and a red card that should, you know. Who, they have history, and, and Taylor doesn't like him. He wanted to make his, his, his statement made. And then you talk about this thing. He just said the guy is the worst referee he's ever seen in my life. Is he not allowed to have that opinion? You know what I mean? And I feel like it, it's because it's Mourinho. If this was somebody else, that I, I doubt this. If, if this was Fergie, he would be saying, oh, what a great guy sticking up for your uh, players. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it just it, seems that I, I don't really like to say this. It just seems that when managers that are not from English-speaking countries stick up for their team, they get crapped on way too much. Yeah, and it's that's one of the th- and the other thing is his style of play. His style of play again. I don't, I don't understand why so many people don't understand this. They say, oh, he doesn't play football. He should retire or whatever. He he doesn't, whatever, you know, I don't don't understand why people don't understand it. When you're, uh, when you're a fan of a team, it does not matter what style of football they play. It does not matter how attractive it is. What matters is that they win games. And if they win trophies, if they get into finals, Mourinho with his, you call boring style of play, um, Got into two European finals in back-to-back seasons. And I, I still think Roma were in the top ten in goals in Serie A. So I just think the, the whole narrative around him, and again, you know, you don't have to like him, but you can't – like the, 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 I'm just saying that the, the criteria for him and for other managers are not the same. Now, he, he got, I don't know, eight or nine yellow cards this season. I would say half of those should not have been given to him. Um, and it's just because he's the type of personality he is, he gets um, he gets criticized for stuff that other people would not. And, and I, I just think it's nonsense. But, you know, again, the Roma fans, you know, don't want him gone. You know, we want him here. and We love that he is here. We played beautiful football under Paolo Fonseca, and it got us nothing. It got us, you know, seventh place and, and defensive issues and goalkeepers that can't, can't you know, keep the ball out of the net. This defensive football is boring as it can be sometimes. You know, again, we're making progress in us getting back to where we need to be. More signings come in, more acquisitions, and we'll be right up there with everybody else next season. But So I think, I, yeah, I agree. I think the whole thing is just nonsense. All right, my friend. Well, that was a great one. Um, and by the way, I, that way, um, I just want to let everybody know about my last comment, about just saying it, it just differed with Fergie. Fergie is the greatest manager of all time. I actually love and adore the man, so don't take that out of context. But I'm just saying that it just sucks that people don't recognize and appreciate the greatness of Jose Mourinho. And one more thing, actually, 
Go ahead. Terry Henry went on record. So did Gary Neville after the Champions League final. I disagree with this. They kind of said that it is undisputable that Pep Guardiola is the greatest manager of all time. I want to know your take on that. No, I, I, I that he, it's undisputable that he's not the greatest manager of all time. That he is. It's undisputable. He's the GOAT now. No. Again, my, my criteria is going, always going to be the same. You go to Fiorentina, win them the league, get them a Copa. He just needs to go to a place that doesn't have a full-on budget and, and be successful. So if he goes to if he goes to Juve at this currently constructed time and gets them back to, to what they were, and he wins a title in, the, in Syria, then you can kind of – I just don't think you can – again, he's great. He transformed football. But who who changed football first? The guy that t- gave him all the all the all the the tools. Now again, he, he put his own spin on total football. But Cruyff, the man who who changed football, you can maybe not for the first time, but changed the outlook of the game. Gave Pep all the tools to do what he has done. Now that doesn't mean it's not um, you know that's not um, impossible. But he, he still could be one of the greatest. I think he, you. But I don't think you can say it's undisputable because he's won the Champions League with, with Messi and then he's won the Champions League with this great city team. He's gone from Barcelona to Bayern Munich to Manchester City. In those years, they would have been the favorite to win the league every year they've won it. Um, nope. That doesn't make it unimpressive. He's still one of the greatest of all time. I would say he's top three, top three, top four. Um, I mean, it, could, it just depends on what you're looking for, but you know you're in that conversation. He's in that. He's on. He's he's at the table with Carlo Angelotti, Jose Mourinho, Sir Alex Ferguson, and Reno Arenas Michaels, and and whoever else you want to put in that conversation as well. He's at that table, but you cannot say he's he's undisputedly better than the other ones. Mourinho won uh, won titles with with won the Champions League with, with Inter and Porto has won trophies in, in many different countries. Renus Michaels was part of the start of total football, won the Champions League, I think, three times. Um, Angelotti's won. Built a team. Berkey built a team and controlled yep. Cristiano Ronaldo's ego. Think yep. about that. And he didn't. He inherited a very good youth system, but he, he went on to do things. And before that, he won with Aberdeen. Um, Carlo Angelotti has won the league in five different countries. He's also won the Champions League four or five times. Um, so again, you, you, to say the Pep has been better than the rest, but you know, undeniably, if someone says Pep is the greatest, I don't mind that. I think he's in that conversation, and I think you can say that. If Gary Neville wants to say he's the greatest, if Henri wants to say he's the greatest, I'm fine with that. But I don't think we're at the point where it's undeniable. Again, yeah. for me, it would, it would be he has to go somewhere where he, he where it's a totally different environment and win, and then all the rest of it. And again, uh, again, Gary Neville can say some smart things, smart, intelligent things at times. Um, but I, with him, I take a grain of salt because in t- I, I forgot what the year was, but but he used to say that Messi is the greatest of all time, and it's not it's not debatable. But he didn't say that. But he said he used to say Messi is the greatest of all time. Then Cristiano Ronaldo returned uh, to um, the Premier League, and he changed his mind. So, yeah, or like when he used to say, Arsene Vegas um, was terrible. Was terrible. Um, and then when they fans started protesting, Arsenal, he said, 
Arsene Wenger is the second is a top three manager in Premier League history. You cannot disrespect him like that. Yeah, and then he, I mean again, I, I rate some of the stuff he says. I agree with some of it. Uh, I think he's great to listen to. But then you have to think he's better than Carragher. <laughs> uh, although he, I don't know, Carragher makes a lot of good points a lot of the time, but he misses some stuff. But when the, the difference is when Carragher is incorrect. Mark Martinez can't play in the Premier League. He he said, "I put my hands up. I was wrong about that one." But when when Neville says something wrong, he backtracks. And again, the other thing is the Gunnar Solskjaer thing. He never criticized them ever, even when he was horrible. Um, again, I respect both of them for what they do. But with Gary Neville saying that, I think he's changed his mind on the goat debate so many times when no information was brought to attention. Like it wasn't new information. If you thought Messi was the greatest then, then there's nothing that Ronaldo has done since then that would change your mind. Maybe he won in a Champions League of Ballon d'Or, but the reason you thought Messi was the greatest is not because of those things. If you go back on like an old video, it's uh, on this uh, Messi YouTube channel, there's a clip of him saying why Messi is the greatest. Basically, it's beyond the Champions League and the World Cup and things like that. So, again, I respect that they, they think he's the, undisputably the greatest, but I don't think I don't think you can say it's inarguable because that would, that would imply that there's no case for anybody else. As long as you can make a case for somebody else, I don't think you can say it's not arguable. Now, if there's a point where that becomes the case, then you can say it's inarguable. I would say there's an inarguable uh, – for, for Messi as the GOAT, it's inarguable because I find it very, I find it very difficult to find a case for, um, for anybody else. With, with the manager, greatest manager ever, all the people I said that sit on this table, I can make a case for each of them. And yep. I can make a case for other ones that aren't, involved, that aren't at that table, like Fabio Capello, uh, for example. I can make a case for him. You know, I can I can make make a, you know what? You're going to call me crazy. I can make a case. I know it's biased for Arsene Wenger, just the way he changed gonna, you know, how football's played. You know, I was actually – I was right there. I was, I was just about to say that. You can make a case for him as well. You could – I mean, you could go down the line of different – you can make – I mean, again, I don't think he's the greatest, but there, you can make a case for Antonio Conte too. So it's just like even, even managers that are not in the top five, you can make, you can make a case for basically every manager in the top ten. Even uh, Lippi, the one who won the World Cup with Italy and was at Juve, you can make a case for him as well. Arrigo Sacchi, who was the AC Milan guy who won all the Champions Leagues before Angelotti. So there are countless amount of managers you can make a case for. Now, who presents the strongest case? I go, I track back to the one sitting at that table. But that doesn't, but to say it's an argument would mean there's no argument for anybody. So that's why I would disagree on Henri as much as I respect and adore that man and the football knowledge that he brings to the table and the entertainment value he brings to the table. Uh, I would slightly disagree on him and Gary Neville, I have no problem disagreeing with, even though I respect what he does as well. All right, my friend. Well, that was a great show. Um, well, we got a surprise coming for them. Um, do you want to tell us what we're going to do after the Trinidad and Tobago game? We haven't done this in two years. Go ahead. Uh, we are going to do the State of the United States National Teams podcast, men and women. We'll, we'll, sh- we'll share details about what that's going to look like, and we have to, we have to figure out well, what, what, ex- what direction we're going to take it in, but, but we're going to we have to see what happens with the Tobago game, and then we can um, – uh, break down some things and we can 
reopen some conversations uh, in regards to many things, um, our controversial takes. We, I can reopen uh, my issue with the U.S. women's if you guys would like. We can talk about Pulisic um, and, and sort of the struggle that the both of us have with him being Captain America. And we can also talk about some of the, 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 the World Cup, Copa America, stuff like that, and, and how we change the infrastructure of, of whatever. We'll, we'll figure out. We don't know exactly what we're going to do, with, but it's going to be um, – I, I feel like it may, may even be a two-parter, so <laughs> – all right, my friend. Well, we'll talk to you then. Um, see you all next week for the State of the U.S. podcast. Hopefully we'll have it out by Friday, next Friday. Um, and that's all. Take care, everyone. Have a safe